You're listening to The Revealer Podcast, where we explore how religion shapes our culture and our communities. Produced by the Center for Religion and Media at NYU and hosted by me, Dr. Brett Crutch. Each month, we sit down with experts to discuss the role religion plays in politics, in people's lives, and throughout our world. In today's show, we're discussing Black Christians and hip-hop. How has hip-hop transformed Black Christianity? What role does it play among Black Christians? What are areas of disagreement in Black Christian hip-hop? And what does hip-hop and the use of new digital technologies tell us about the future of Black Christianity in America? Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Revealer Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brett Crutch. I'm very excited to be chatting today with Dr. Erica Galt. She is the author of the new book, Networking the Black Church, Digital Black Christians and Hip Hop. You can read an excerpt from her book in the upcoming March issue of The Revealer at therevealer.org. Hi, Erica. It's great to chat with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good to be here. Great. So one of the things that I really like about your book is that you write both personally about your own experiences as a black Christian, and you also broaden out quite a bit to show how those experiences connect to larger trends that help us better understand black Christianity in the United States. So I'd like to start by asking you a personal question, and then I'll follow it up with a broader question. So you write in the book that, quote, uh, spoken word and hip-hop has become as integral to my Christian identity as being Black was. So what do you mean by that? How did hip-hop become central to your Christian identity? I count myself as a child of the Black church. I grew up in a Black church community, going to church, Sunday Bible school, um, Wednesday night service, all of those Mm. things that you think Mm. of when you think of the black church traditions. And so I I feel myself as uh, still rooted largely in those traditions. But then hip hop provided me with all of these wonderful access points for black youth culture beyond Mm. my church and sometimes Mm -hmm. even in the church. I was in what one would call a very strict uh, household where there was no rap music allowed. Going to hip-hop concerts was a big (laughs) no-no. And so much of the culture that I grew up in was really couched in this understanding of both respectability, Christian modesty, how a lady should act or move in these kinds of spaces. Mm. And hip hop in a lot of ways became this kind of playground outside of that culture. Mm. And how I got to dress by the time I was growing up in the late 90s, you had artists like TLC or more Mm. modest artists like Lauryn Hill. And so Mm. they gave me a way into the culture that affirmed me in my blackness and also allowed me to wear clothes that would be acceptable in a largely Christian setting. Like Mm -hmm. you can still wear an oversized flannel shirt and Tim's and a bubble down coat. I say in my book and describing this, I know it doesn't sound cool now, um, (laughs) but, but when I was standing at the bus stop with my friends, I felt 
pretty cool. Like I got to participate finally mm -hmm. in the culture. So it was really through the aesthetics of hip hop that I was able to move between these worlds and integrate hip hop into my mostly black church environment. Interesting. Well, so then to broaden it out beyond you and these things that you've been observing for many years, how would you describe the place of hip hop today in black Christianity or what role would you say it plays among black Christians? Well, I would say one of the things that I try not to do is draw these kind of stiff parameters between hip hop in the black church and because so much of the sensibilities of hip-hop are the sensibilities of the black church mm. and continues to play a role in the black church i would argue through black church aesthetics through its ethos its connections to consumerist capitalist sensibilities michael eric dyson was one of the first folks to write about hip-hop and religion and to draw these kinds of connections and saying that the same capitalist or economic goals that we see within a lot of hip-hop that has been criticized is the same sort of prosperity gospel that we think of when we talk about the black church throughout much of the late 20th century and into the millennium and many even now but one of the reasons that we might delineate between the two is this kind of notion of sacred and secular. Mm. This is the place where you go that is holy, and this is unholy ground, which becomes really problematic right. when you think about black folks and the way that they historically have been viewed as unholy or mm. personified as evil. The importance of that in black church spaces, that kind of um, sacred secular delineation, has led to the kind of respectability politics that we think about that keeps black Christians or the black church keeping hip hop at bay. But for me, I think of these two things as together. Mm hmm. In contemporary times, in styles of dress, still when you want to attract the quote-unquote young folks, you know, yeah. you do this through the aesthetics of hip-hop, hip-hop language, hip-hop fashion and hmm. sensibilities, but not so much in the liturgy. And hmm. a number of the churches that I study, you won't see as part of their worship actual hip-hop lyrics. Uh, hmm. being played. But I would also say that when you talk about what actual hip hop artists are doing, they carry the black church with them into their lyrics. It's, mm. mm -hmm. it's totally acceptable in those kinds of spaces to give praise uh, to God to talk in the terms that you would think about with the black church. Just a couple years ago, the hip hop artist Lecrae, who doesn't like to be called a Christian hip-hop artist, but hmm. he, he, he reps for Christ. He came out with Let the Trap Say Amen with Waka Flocka Flame and a, a number of other trap artists where he's basically giving praise to God in this very black church-esque way. So the worship space has been created through hmm. hip-hop content that is this other kind of black church that needs to be looked at 
past physically located black churches that we might think of as representative of black Christianity. Thank you. So I guess continuing on that then, are there ways that you would say that hip hop has transformed the black church or is are many of the sort of institutions that make up black Christianity remaining resistant to the changes that you've described or are there other ways that hip hop has transformed the religious possibilities for black Christians? Despite his influence on the institutional black church, hip hop has always acted as outside music, uh, Hmm. music that you play in the church parking lot or Hmm. in the wider hood, you know, it brings the whole church noun outside. Mm -hmm. And not only outside of the church, but online noun is really what I'm thinking in terms of and looking particularly at digital black Christians. How does the black church function online as it holds on to many of the vestiges of the traditional black church, but does this in a new digital format. And I'll I'll provide an example. One of the folks that I interviewed, she said that she started off doing a spoken word and, and she was also a rapper and she wanted to bring this as part of her testimony to her black church and it was this way of her sharing her own narrative telling her own story which has always been the operation of spaces of testimony in black churches and after she shared her testimony through a kind of spoken word rap piece um, she was pulled to the side by one of the church mothers and told thank you for your story but this isn't really the space to talk about that and and one of the themes of her piece was about um, her personal experience with sexual assault. And as as you can imagine, she was fully broken by this. Hmm. One of the things that she did is used hip hop instead as this alternative and therapeutic space. And so it was in going to Limerick Park and participating in rap ciphers that Hmm. she began to tell her story Hmm. that was part the story of growing up in the black church but it was also this other piece of the story about sexual assault that wasn't allowed Hmm. in the place that she called home and had loved and so you see this kind of dichotomy between many of the digital black Christians that I studied where this this is home for them. The black church articulates an important part of their identity. And even though they're not allowed to share themselves fully in that space, they still get to be black church in a digital hip hop hmm. space. So that's very helpful. And I'd like to then stay with that since you've brought in this idea of digital young black Christians, and quote something that you write in the book, you say that, quote, any full understanding of the contemporary black church must offer a robust consideration of the role and impact of technology in the lives of young black adults. So can you say a bit more, you've gotten us started, but a bit more about the role that technology is playing in the current lives of young adult black Christians? And why is that important if we hope to properly understand black Christian today. So I would say for two reasons. One is writing out to other scholars that 
we here, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. black folks studying religion and digital technology is a real thing that's happening and has been overlooked in academia for a while now. We cannot adequately talk about what the black church is if we're only talking about it as a brick and mortar place. Mm-hmm. How deeply we engage with technology on a daily basis must be taken into account whenever we study the lives of any black church member Mm -hmm. or anyone involved in religion in any way, particularly for young adults, because their average daily usage far exceeds any other age group. And that's something that's been overlooked. Most of the studies of black religion immediately go to the black church and Mm -hmm. asking clergy questions or asking questions about church attendance. How do we give account for those digital practices that are deeply meaningful for people that are mostly lived online? I remember one of the other participants in the study, Joseph Solomon, talked a lot about his engagement with YouTube followers and Hmm. He acted as something of a pastor to his Mm -hmm. followers. He would load these short clips of about five to about 20 minutes that were, in essence, mini sermons. Didn't see himself as a pastor. He was just working out these theological ideas that he had learned in seminary or things that he was wrestling with himself. Throughout those kinds of conversations, he might intersperse poetry or some of his own music while he played the guitar that became a worship service for a generation that had become disillusioned with the Hmm. black church Hmm. but wanted to experience its sound Hmm. and its emotion Hmm. through the digital space of youtube to give you a, a sense of how real this was Ultimately, when by the time Patreon came on the scene where you Mm -hmm. could have greater access to fans or followers and they could become your patrons, people began tithing to this, (laughs) much like it was a ministry. About a month ago, Joseph Solomon came out, again, a kind of digital exercise of faith. He came out on Twitter And he said, I no longer identify as a Christian. If you could imagine the amount of crying emojis that followed that. Followers were deeply torn. This was a disruption in their faith, Hmm. you know. And so all of the seriousness that we had assigned to a brick and mortar church must also be used to engage what these kinds of digital experiences mean for those followers. This was the loss of a family member Hmm. uh, for many folks whose faith had been developed around the YouTube series of Joseph Solomon. We get a chance to think about the role and impact of digital technology on the black church when we look at these kind of black church spaces that have been created through technology Mm -hmm. that continue to be unnamed and unresearched when we Mm. talk about the black church. Right. I want to stay on that then. And since you've led us into thinking about the digital lives of people, the digital lives of black Christians in particular. So would you say that there are 
common messages or themes within digital black Christianity and hip hop, which I, you know, certainly understand that covers just thinking about that different things from Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and etc. You know, are there common messages or themes as you explore the world of digital black Christianity and hip hop? And also, are there main areas of disagreement that have now emerged in, in these digital realms around possible issues of sexuality or gender or politics or theology? My answer to that question would be yes and no. You know, yeah. I, I see some common messages and themes because there's some of the same messages and themes that have always been a part of black church or even more broadly black religious spaces um, centered hmm. around black identity and black experiences. But then there's this reality online that it is this culture and this kind of world unto itself Hmm. where you get to engage with the black church and black religion more broadly in a markedly new way than what you would think about the shape of the black church and, and physically located sites and that's why many people go there because they have been in many ways excluded or marginalized within physically located uh, churches. So when I say yes to that question, it's with the sense that, yes, it's been uh, since the beginning of the black church that black women have had to fight for a space in, in black church hierarchy. That continues today. That LGBT folks have not been allowed or have been ostracized in black churches and in black church leadership. So those kinds of things continue just as well in the conversations that folks have online. Hmm. But then there's there's also a note to that question because I see so much engagement by groups that may think of themselves as black church-esque, mm-hmm. but not really paying the black church any mind either hmm. in terms of whether or not people get to be queer whether or not women should lead. And that is what has actually bought them into the online church because they just don't care. Hmm. <laughs> they, they love the black church, the sound of the black church and grew up in the black church, yeah. but they're spinning out into a whole new sphere yeah. that they may not even name it as the black church. And then I, I think the the final consideration is the digital itself and thinking of the brevity in which moments happen and how much people can move from platform to platform and creating identities, uh, social engagement, and social networks. Hmm. I call these kind of gather and scatter practices where people hang out for a while, maybe around a certain topic, like when Kirk Franklin said some rather terse things to his son. This became a news item given his profile in black church settings and as a gospel music artist. And so this really trended on Instagram where where the son released their telephone conversation and had like thousands oh. of comments. And then it moved across Facebook and these several different platforms. And a week later, it was gone as a topic, you sure. know. Yeah, yeah. So for a little while, the black church gathered in those spaces and had this 
very revelatory and diverse understanding of what that meant for Christianity, what that meant for being black, black parenting, all these wonderful things, said a lot and told us about the black church, but only in that moment, only for that time that those folks got together and had that conversation. And that's a shifting conversation, depending on what topic you're talking about and who gets to be a part of it on which platform. So I'd like to ask a couple of questions about sort of external communities to the black church and then how the responses play out. You write in the book that, quote, black Christian rap has been culpable in extending white evangelicalism into black Christian music in this second millennium. So I'm wondering how so, how is that happening? And what would be the identifying markers of white evangelicalism within black Christianity or within black Christian music? This statement got me into some trouble (laughs) with black church folks who are Hmm. also hip hop heads because, Hmm. because it can read as though I'm coming for (laughs) a generation of folks that have been really the cool kids in black Christianity. And that that's hip hop artists who identify as Christians and saying that this group that has come on under so much criticism, evangelicals, that they continue to be connected to them. And it, it's, of course, not my intention to come after anyone, but to realize this common thread that has been interwoven into black Christian rap, its kind of thinking and success mostly in white evangelical settings. At the turn of the millennium, the rise of reformed thinking and the reformed movement, I talk about in my book as being connected to the rise of Christian hip hop and that many of those artists turned up at key times in the movement and were widely embraced by young white males um, who were starting out and were really into hip hop. Hmm. And so black Christian rap became the soundtrack to that movement. But that movement, I would argue, would not have happened without black artists. And you could kind of see the impact of that trajectory quite recently when Lecrae talks about coming out openly and talking about the murder of Trayvon Martin and a number of others, Eric Garner, and the backlash that he received from white fans. Hmm. Just stick to your mm-hmm. Christian message and stop hmm. talking about all of these racial issues hmm. and how this led to less attendance at his concerts and this disavowal in evangelical settings because the reality is as he said, many of them felt that he belonged to them, that Hmm. he was giving them their music. How dare he go over to the other side? But he had always been black. And many black Christian artists early on kind of worked in that vein. I call it a secondary blackness. Being black was a secondary concern and being Christian was most important first. Hmm. And so through that kind of understanding, they were able to also 
attract them through digital ministries around Reformed theology. And so the kind of sound that we see emerging in hip-hop becoming the sound of young white evangelicals also has an impact on the kind of sound more broadly that we see within black Christian music around worship music, the artists that play together, Hmm. how we think of what exactly gets called urban gospel, and also the record labels kinds of connections to these artists that puts black Christian artists together uh, with people who are deeply evangelical, deeply conservative in their kind of thinking, Mm -hmm. and that kind of sound and dollars have influenced the kind of music that we have and the kind of allegiances that those artists have one to, to another. Well, then continuing with this thought about connections to present day politics, given the prevalence of things like Black Lives Matter activism for the past several years, you mentioned Trayvon Martin, as well as work to stop or to try to stop the disenfranchisement of Black voters, how would you describe the relationship between Black Christian hip hop and fighting for racial justice and issues of racial equity? There's this really beautiful moment that occurs just following the tragic end of the life of George Floyd, where black artists come out very strongly around racial justice, messages of racial justice, digitally so, and in the music that they created. And that was always an undercurrent within their work, Hmm. or it was something that was totally left out Instead, conversations about racial reconciliation Hmm. won the day prior to that moment. Hmm. And it became this wonderful space where many of these artists, through their Instagrams, uh, TikTok, and performances, began to say unequivocally, I am black, Hmm. and that informs my faith. Hmm, Not it is this other kind of identity Mm -hmm. and really calling for something past reconciliation, but a conversation about inequity, inequality, Mm -hmm. historical pressions that had not been a part of their conversation as they began to break with white evangelicals. So these things began to happen simultaneously where they also had to find new digital homes, fans, followers, and kinds of spaces. So the Hmm. networks began to change in the after moments of the death of George Floyd. And, And so I think there's this continuation of that conversation through the new kind of networks that are forming. Hmm. And along with that, there's this bifurcation that's also happening between millennial black Christians and older black Christians that were in these same spaces. Some of those artists have held on even more firmly to evangelicalism, and that has a lot to do with how they think about their networks, whether that's you use digital tools or you think about networks as connected to physically located record labels, and you Mm -hmm. would be less inclined to let go of those kinds of connections if you don't understand or don't believe 
that uh, the digital space is a wide open uh, field of possibility, either for your career or your understanding of Christianity. Well, then for our last question, I'd like to ask you to look to the future, if possible. What do the many Black Christian YouTube channels, Instagram and TikTok accounts, and popular Black Christian hip-hop artists tell you about the future of Black Christianity in the United States and where it's headed? I think of it as having two possibilities. I'm no prophet, so (laughs) I don't know how this all ends, but I think two things could happen. Mm Mm-hmm. One of them is the old black church will continue to stake its claim in the digital, especially the kind of physical to digital migration that began to occur during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Bought a lot of folks online that were totally opposed to it, mm-hmm. you know, or or thought of it as the domain of the kids. Um, and suddenly they were forced to think much more creatively about what community looked like in the digital. And those folks have not gone away. They've integrated the digital more fully into their offline practices. Hmm. So I think of more of that as occurring as a possibility. We'll see more of the old black church with all of its uh, beauty and all of its warts, you know, and its beliefs. And then there's a much more progressive black church that were some of the first folks to join on to the web when it was mostly community was mostly consisting of message boards. And I see that church as being somewhat more ready for the period of the pandemic Hmm. that it provided this wonderful boost and legitimacy to the work that they were already doing. And so when we think about what this might mean for the future of black Christianity, particularly in the digital, I'm thinking a more female, a more queer, a more black faith forward church will take the helm as when we think of the black church or Hmm. black Christianity as the central representation of that. Whatever happens either way, I think hip hop as an expression of black youth culture will be a part of either the old black church or this new faith forward black church. Hmm. Interesting. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for this very insightful conversation. I appreciate it. That is all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Erica Galt. You can find an excerpt from her book, Networking the Black Church, Digital Black Christians and Hip Hop in the Revealer's upcoming March issue at therevealer.org. And you can purchase Networking the Black Church online now. I'm Brett Crutch. I hope you'll join us for our next episode next month. We'll be examining the movement of American converts to the Russian Orthodox Church, their embrace of right-wing politics, their love for Vladimir Putin and Tsarist Russia, and what all of that means for American politics today. In the meantime, I hope you stay safe and healthy. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Revealer Podcast with music by Kevin McLeod and production editing by Cameron Anderson. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at therevealerpodcast at gmail.com and check us out at therevealer.org.